baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Good morning. This is Dave Debo. For the balance of the program, at least the next hour or so, we'll be talking about President Trump's proposal to put 25% tariff on imported steel and a 10% tariff on imported aluminum. It's something that he's still working through. There's the possibility that Canada and Mexico would be exempt along with the EU. But nonetheless, it's something that's creating quite a bit of controversy. Coming up in just a little bit, we will talk with Robert Stevenson. He is the CEO of Eastman Machine here, a guy that I've turned to oftentimes for talk about trade because he is a big booster of international trade in the Buffalo area. His company is the oldest manufacturing company in Buffalo, and uh, they, in fact, do a lot of exporting themselves but also have a plant in China because of the way the things are structured. It makes sense for him to have that, too. So he's kind of got both sides of the equation. And if you've heard him on the program before, you know that he's really well-versed in this stuff. It'll be an interesting discussion coming up. But one of the things I do have to note is that uh, steel companies are certainly saying that this will be a big boon for them. U.S. Steel, for example, has a plant uh, in the southern reaches of Illinois in Granite City. And just now, this past week, they have called back 500 workers there Reporter Ryan Burrow talked about it on our air earlier this week. This tariff situation has made uh, for some interesting political spits, uh, splits, I should say. The uh, the mayor of Gary, Indiana, a steel city, all in favor of it, saying that uh, China has been getting away with dropping prices and essentially importing to the U.S. Uh, kind of shoddy steel for decades. And uh, she welcomes this. Uh, of course, it could also potentially mean more jobs for her community. How about uh, Senator Tammy Duckworth, the Democrat, also showing support for this move and glad to see 500 Granite City workers uh, getting back to business. Although uh, it is important to point out that Senator Duckworth is also hesitant that a trade war may begin. So um, kind of mixed emotions, mixed feelings. And, um, you know, you've got some Republicans also coming out uh, against this trade measure, uh, including uh, the uh, Speaker of the House, who is still looking to uh, maybe tap the brakes on it before it goes into effect. Steelworkers being called back, but is there concern in other industries that this may result in workers somewhere else being laid off? Oh, well, they, they, there are concerns uh, for a lot of companies that use steel and aluminum products, and, and one of the reasons you're seeing pushback maybe from Wisconsin so much, uh, including from the governor and in, including from the House Speaker, uh, is Miller Coors. Uh, they use a, a lot of aluminum in their cans uh, to make beer, obviously, or to produce beer and, and ship it out. And they've been seeing an increase in that uh, in recent years. And uh, this could cost them mightily uh, if their suppliers who are overseas have these tariffs added. That's Ryan Burrow in Chicago. Now, interestingly enough, in town on Monday, U.S. Senator Charles Schumer, a guy who does not agree with President Trump on much, actually spoke in favor, to some degree, of these uh, tariff uh, issues. Well, we're not sure what the president's proposal is going to end up. They're still debating it. So given the experience we've had, I'm a little reluctant to comment. But what, what I, I, look, I totally approve of going after China. China has been the worst trading 
partner we had. They're rapacious. They dump project. Pro, they dump uh, steel and aluminum. Um, they steal our intellectual property, and then they don't. When we have good products, they don't let us in there. Whether this actual proposal by the president appropriately targets China or instead targets other countries where we have trade surpluses, such as. I don't know if we can see it from here, but Canada um, is the question I want to see, and you have to wait for the details to determine that. Is it a plus? Is it a net plus or a net loss? Certainly, we have to take its shots at China. I'm not sure this one is so well aimed at China. Taking questions. Yes, and so like are our brewers here. We have a whole bunch of new breweries. Well, we'll have to wait and see. We got to see what how they end up doing it. It's unclear yet. Uh, you mentioned targeted China, but couldn't this also uh, impact the uh, U.S.'s ability to get China to cooperate on other issues? You know what? China doesn't give us ice in the winter. Um, they're not even helping us on North Korea. It is time we got tough with China. They're stealing our family jewels. That's U.S. Senator Charles Schumer in Buffalo earlier this week. When we come back from the news break, we'll talk more about trade. Robert Stevenson on deck. He's the CEO of Eastman Machine. Much more to come. Your phone calls, too. 803-0930 is the number. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBE. Hey, it's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Good morning. This is Dave Debo. President Donald Trump says he plans to impose a 25% tariff on imported steel at a 10% tariff on aluminum. The exact details are still being worked out. It looks as if Canada and Mexico and Australia would be exempt. Canada and Mexico would be exempt as long as there's progress on renegotiating NAFTA. And overseas, there's talk of the EU also being excluded. But there's also a lot of fear about a trade war across the entire globe, something that could affect the world economies. Let's talk a little bit more about all of this with Robert Stevenson. He's a CEO of Eastman Machine Corp. here in Buffalo. They are Buffalo's oldest continuing operating manufacturer. He's a guy that for years has been a huge proponent of more international trade from the Buffalo area overseas. But he's also a guy with extensive experience in China, where they have a facility over there. And part of President Trump's uh, rationale for all of this is that China is just not being fair. You heard Senator Schumer earlier in the program say they are rapacious and that uh, he, in fact, supports anything that slaps China around a little bit. Let's dig into this issue a little bit further. Thanks for joining us, uh, Robert Stevenson. Glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here, too, David. Good morning. Talk about what this could mean for your company. You make cutting machines that are used on large pieces of canvas, that sort of thing. Do you import your steel? What? Where do the raw ingredients come from? I'm not, you know, we, we do import some steel products actually from China, and we, we've been discussing that, whether that would be impacted. It's not raw steel, it's finished products. So I'm not sure what the tariff means on that. But to take it a step further, David, um, you know, we, we were forced to put a, factory in China, because China put a 37% tariff on our machines going in there. So in effect, uh, blocking us out of that market, which is an important market. You imagine most of the apparel, if you go to a store and look in the label, it said made in China, we want to be able to sell our cutting machines into that market. Now, if you think about it, we asked, you know, why would you put a tariff on our machines? And their response was, well, we have to protect our own industry. Well, their own industry is copies of our machines. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah. So 
Um, I'm all for the, the fact that we like trade. It's important. We sell worldwide. There's not a country we don't sell into. But at the same time, I kind of echo uh, the president's comments. We want fair trade. And if China is going to put a tariff on our products going over there, we ought to be able to say, look, either get rid of those tariffs or you're going to have uh, complementary tariffs coming into us. And I think it's a negotiating step. I saw in the uh, news this morning, I think it was the New York Post had an article that said that China certainly does not want a trade war. They have much more to lose than we do in the sense that we're their largest market and they sell us billions of dollars more than, than we sell them. At the, at the same time, I think there will be, unless it's negotiated out, there may be some impact locally. And I certainly understand uh, some of the concerns and, and fears about that. But overall, I would say we need to get tougher with them. And we need to understand that their thinking is that they will take our intellectual property, they take our trademarks, they protect their own industries, all to the detriment of, of, of our businesses. And quite frankly, when I had to put a factory in China in order to remain uh, able to sell into that market, I had to lay off permanently people in Buffalo. And to be honest, and I, I don't mean to sound this anyway, but I'm more concerned about the, my families that had to be laid off in Buffalo than I am concerned about employees in China. And I know that you and I have talked about this in the past. Uh, in China, the the ripoff was so blatant that you said they were selling machines. Your your company is Eastman Machine Company. They were selling basically your machines under the brand name Westman Machine. Oh, West, yeah, Westman or our, our trademark was. They take our trademarks. We had a trademark called Blue Streak. They call it the Blue Star. If you, if you sell the machines, you you can't tell them apart. And and to a consumer who is just saying, I need a a, a cutting machine, they'll say, Well, here's here's an Eastman machine, and it's not. And, you know, it, it's, 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 it's tough to, to take. So what would you like to see? If this is one step in the negotiation, what would you like to see? And do you ultimately see these tariffs not being put in place in favor of fill-in-the-blank? I think in favor of a better trade agreement. I think, you know, if you read what Elon Musk uh, just wrote, he said, why is it that there are tariffs on American cars going into China, but there's no tariffs on cars coming from China into the U.S.? Let's be smart about this and tell the Chinese, look, we're your biggest market. And if you want to continue to, uh, to be able to sell in the United States, you have to open up your market to American products and not put a tariff on them. And uh, it, it, it's just that simple. And let's negotiate that and get it done. Some of the critics have pointed to the ripple effect through other industries. And uh, while it might not seem hugely significant, uh, beer, Coors Beer, for example, one of the companies coming out against it saying, think of how much aluminum we use in cans. And oh, yeah, by the way, most of our aluminum is imported. Uh, beer prices in the United States will go up. Uh, is there a ripple effect here? More than just that, obviously. But is there a ripple effect here that uh, we should be worried about? You know, I'm not an expert in the aluminum or the steel industry, but I would also think if you look at it that, you know, Alcoa or one of their major aluminum producers in the United States might be very happy about this. And it might be able to bring more people back to work and more produce local aluminum. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, American steel and American aluminum producers uh, went out of business or stopped making uh, these products is because they were able to get it overseas at, at almost a much cheaper price due to unfair trade practices. So let's see what happens. I just saw in the news recently that, uh, I forget, was it one of the steel companies said they're opening up a blast furnace back in Illinois and plan to hire 600 people. I think that's 
great for the American economy because not only when you open a factory does it affect direct employment, but also all the service industries around that factory. Yeah, we spoke about that just before you came on. It's the U.S. Steel Plant in Granite City, Illinois, south of Chicago. Again, calling back about 500 people uh, because they think for for their company this is going to be great. I mean, I, I don't think, or maybe people do know, so I'm not assuming they don't know this, but just a little arithmetic. We employ 125 people in Buffalo, which may not seem like a big deal. But if you look at, if you look at the number of people who service us and the number of families that we support, our, the economic impact is really about five-fold of what, of what we uh, bring in in terms of dollars. And if, for us, we feel we have almost a $300 million impact in the Buffalo economy, even though our sales are nowhere near that. But it's, it's the ripple effect of having businesses, especially manufacturing businesses, that need servicing all the way from janitors to vendors to uh, service people to bankers. You know, it, it goes right down the line. Having a manufacturing business uh, and employing those people has a huge ripple effect on the local economy. 803-0930 is our number, and already calls are beginning to trickle in. Let's uh, start, go right, go right to the calls. Robert Stevenson is with us. He's the CEO of Eastman Machine Corp. here in Buffalo. And have, as you've heard him say, he had to actually establish a plant in China because of the amount of tariffs uh, that he had to leap over in order to get a product made here in Buffalo sold over there. So as he's looking at this, it's one step in negotiating better trade with China. 803-0930 is the number, and we begin the call-ins with Frank in Niagara Falls. Hi, you're on the air. You know, establishment, Republicans against Trump trade policy just confirms their main job is doing the bidding of their corporate. You know, these these are the same billionaires and corporations that made their fortunes on the back of the American working class using our American ideas and ingenuity and intellectual properties and technology, using our infrastructure paid for by the U.S. taxpayer. And then the greedy devils turned around and sold us out to the communist Chinese and India. And, you know, it sounds like traitors to me. I'm not sure I hear a question in there. What is it that you want to see happen, or what is your opinion on this particular tariff being proposed? Well, because I hear conservatives, you know, talking like they're adults in the room, but they don't even know their own history of how we got here. You know, I want, I want, I want to hear a conservative... You know, tell me about how Newt Gingrich in the 90s with the likes of Tom DeLay and Phil Graham pretty much sold out the American worker. You know, how they hit the expatriate clause in, in the family leave bill, with the, which allowed billionaires and corporations to offshore their fortunes. You know, and, and, you know, the banking and financial deregulation and ensuring the venture capital of industry that moved our jobs to communist China. You know, that pretty, pretty much... Put the nail in the coffin of the American future. Robert, to the degree you can, address the history. How did we get here? Is the caller right? I, I think what happened was there was a movement back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s to say, isn't free trade great? And, and the, the, the concept of is it great as long as it's equal. But what happened is look at, look at the television industry in America. We lost it. We don't have Zenith anymore. We don't have RCA. What happened? It was that you had the ability with a very cheap labor overseas in Korea, uh, Taiwan, and China to be able to make this product a lot cheaper. And the American consumer said, why am I paying extra for an American-made product when I can get it 20, 30, 40 percent less? In many cases, though, it's, it's just what's happened in, our, in my situation. Not, we're certainly, I'm certainly not a billionaire investor. We're way, we're way lower than that. 
But in my case, I would love to continue to be able to make products as much as I can in Buffalo, and we try to. But if you're unable to sell into a market because the Chinese have stolen your uh, intellectual property and the Chinese won't allow you to be competitive with your product, you have to, uh, in order to corporately stay alive, develop a presence in China, which is what the Chinese wanted. They, they, they said the same thing to Boeing Aircraft. They said if Boeing wants to sell airplanes in China, you better set up some assembly operations in China or we won't let you do it. Well, why not then just have better negotiations or, or better rules between the United States and China on intellectual property? Why go the tariff route? Do you see this as a bargaining chip that ultimately will be tossed away? Or do you see tariffs itself as a, an end that uh, you're okay with? I, I know we fought this intellectual property. I've testified before Congress 10 years ago. It's very hard to deal with. It's very hard for smaller companies to defend yourself over there. Uh, we've actually lost court cases in China, believe it or not, saying that we don't have a right to our name. Uh, it's expensive for small companies to do this. The larger companies like Microsoft or, you know, Disney's production, they can, they can do it. Smaller companies are at their mercy. And I've often said that what the U.S. government should do instead of sponsoring trade shows, is sponsor an ability for American companies to defend themselves and defend their intellectual property. This theft of intellectual property, I think, has cost, uh, according to one study, over 2.5 million jobs in America. It's, it's, it's a tragedy. And I agree with the caller completely that uh, we, we should have understood this better back in the 60s. I mean, I was just a kid back then, so I can't, I can't don't hold me responsible. But they, we should have understood that better, and we should have done something before. Now, unfortunately, we're, we're swimming upstream because it's a cat's already out of the bag. But I think having a president or having a country determined to say we're going to rectify these wrongs and we're going to get it right this time, I think is worth uh, doing. All right. Stay right there. Robert Stevenson, the CEO of Eastman Machine. We're talking about trade. And as you heard, he's someone who likes the idea of trade, but also uh, along the lines of President Trump, more fair trade than just open free trade. More to come. Will you calls uh, if you're on hold? Stay right there. We'll get you after this. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Good morning. This is Dave Debo. On the line with us is Robert Stevenson. He's the CEO of Eastman Machine Corp. here in Buffalo. About 120 workers, big on international trade and exporting, but also had to actually set up a plant in China, lay off some workers here in Buffalo, and set up a plant in China so they would be able to sell goods over there in light of the tariffs that are imposed over there. So in light of all of that, you can think, and rightly so, that he's in favor of President Trump's move regarding tariffs, uh, proposing a 25% tariff coming in on imported steel, a 10% tariff on aluminum. 803 is the number. We have enough time to squeeze in one more call before the news break. He's with us, by the way, Intel 1130 today. So if you're on hold, stay right there. We will take more calls after the news, but enough time to squeeze in at least Tony and Clarence now. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes, uh, thank you. First of all, I lived for 30 years right underneath Bethlehem Steel in Lackawanna. Bethlehem Steel was my father's occupation for all those years. Do you realize that the reason Bethlehem Steel closed was because Japan flooded our markets with steel? Do you, first of all, ask, ask your guest what the cost per ton of steel is going to cost now. That's what you have to look at. Our plants can't produce at the same cost per ton. 
Tony, I'm, I'm confused, though. If, if your dad lost his job because of Steele coming in here... His job, he retired. Okay, uh, but doesn't that make you, in light of that experience, a fan of tariffs? Because if less Japanese steel was coming in here, the argument would be that your dad might still have a job, no? I'm not a fan of these tariffs, unless they're targeted against China. That's what your guest said. China. China. Do you realize you talked about this Illinois plant being open with 500 more people? Well, guess what? Harley-Davidson is just closing their plant in Wisconsin. 800 jobs are going to be lost there, and they're going to guess who? Thailand. That was just yesterday on the news. If you're if you're looking for support for these tariffs, why did the economic advisor Cohen, Mitch McConnell, and Paul Ryan want not nothing to do with them? Well, Paul Ryan's from Wisconsin that does have the Harley plant, so there might be a, an explanation there. Gone, and they're gone. J- jump on in here, Robert Stevenson. What what do you think about what he uh, Tony is saying? Harley had a little different problem. It wasn't due to the cost of steel; it was due to the decline in the American market on on motorcycles. Uh, the younger generation is not driving Harleys, and they feel there's a better opportunity in the Far East, and uh, that's that's where they're going. I think it's I think it's market driven. Uh, in in terms of of what you what you look at today, is the American manufacturers become much more efficient, and and much able to be competitive in the in the in the world, and to be able to target those countries that basically dump their product at below market prices as China would be a benefit to, to American companies. All right. What, what about what Tony says, though, that it's always China, China, China? Uh, do we need to have tariffs against other places, like Japan, who might be dumping steel here, or at least who has done so in the past? I think so. I think any any country, and you can you might mention Korea in this, in, in this business, too. I know in the 70s, a family friend had a company called Atlas Steel Casting on Elmwood Avenue, and they went out of business because of, of Koreans dumping uh, steel castings below market cost, and they couldn't compete. So I think any country that uh, utilizes unfair trade practices should be a target, and we need to be a lot smarter. Now, in regards to the question of Gary Cohen, I happen to know Gary Cohen, and he's a big proponent of free trade. He says that, that the world ought to not have uh, restrictions to trade, and you ought to be able to sell wherever you want to with no tariffs. But I don't think he understands that that may be great for the financial people, because you can invest wherever you want to in the world, but it's not great for American manufacturers. All right, let's pick that up on the other side. I want to talk a little bit more then about Gary Cohn and also get into this with some of the callers that are there as well. 803-0930 is the number. If you're on hold, stay right there. Robert Stevenson is with us, the CEO of Buffalo's Eastman Machine Corp., the oldest operating manufacturer in Buffalo, and a guy who knows a lot about international trade. More to come. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBE. It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Now, here's WBEN's Dave Debo. And what a week it is to talk politics. This, of course, was the week where much of the attention on the local news scene really is things that happened in Washington. We're talking about the trickle-down effects, though, of President Trump's announcement that he wants a 25% tariff on imported steel and another 10% on aluminum. Robert Stevenson is with us. He's the CEO of Buffalo's Eastman Machine Corp. He's a guy who has testified before Congress about the trade relationship we have with China. And in spite of having uh, employees here in the Buffalo area, he also has a plant in China because that's how he could get a toehold into that market. He's someone who, if you were listening earlier in the program, says that he kind of likes the idea of these tariffs because 
If they target China, it might create some sort of difference that would make it a lot easier for companies to end up trading better with China. Of course, the other side of that coin is uh, the one espoused by Gary Cohn, the former economic advisor to President Trump, resigned earlier this week over the tariff issue because he basically is a free trader. He thinks that this is going to possibly spark a trade war. Robert, tell me more. Before the break, you were saying that uh, you know Gary Cohn, and, and in, in his heart, he's basically a guy that just thinks tariffs are wrong. Is that the case? I think so. I think they feel that, you know, we don't want to be in, we don't want to have the, the risk of a trade war, and that trade should be should be open and free between countries. And, you know, the, the concept, I think, is great. I mean, Gary doesn't run a manufacturing business. So, you know, he's a financial guy and a Goldman Sachs guy who, you know, they invest, they invest worldwide. So to, to them, I would think that any, any times of uh, destructive or what they would call destructive actions would, it, would, in, would impact, you know, investments worldwide. When, when he threatened to leave back in August, the markets tumbled. Earlier this week when he uh, re- announced his resignation, the markets tumbled. Uh, does business, not necessarily your business, but does business in general... As much of his impact as people thought... I mean, it was down, what, 380, and then it ended up down 70. So it rebounded, you're saying? 787. Um, you know, you, you know you're my, my sense is, is people say they're concerned about a trade war. But let's look at the facts. China does hundreds of billions of dollars of business in the United States, dwarfing in comparison what we do back into China. And as one, and I forget who it was, as I was down in Washington a couple of years ago listening to a presentation uh, from some congressman, as one congressman said, we brought up the fact that we're a little concerned about a trade war. And he said, who are you kidding? We're in a trade war, and we're losing the trade war already. Let's not kid ourselves. China's kicking our butt. So so you're rejecting, say, the, uh, the, the, the greater good argument, that there's a broader picture here. While some companies, uh, yours included, are hurt by the current policy, you don't necessarily think that, that these tariffs will have an even bigger trouble for companies maybe other than yours across the entire economy. I, I don't. I don't. I, I think if you look at how the market responded uh, later in the week and, and, uh, and say I, I don't think the general market feels that way. Certainly, whatever, whatever happens, you know, in, in a sense, you know, money's like water. It seeks its own balance, and it's going it's to continue to do that. Uh, there's certainly always winners and losers in everywhere. But I think if you want a stronger American manufacturing base and you want to say that manufacturing is critical to the, to the American economy in the sense that it supports many, many jobs. I mean, you know, let's, let's look at the difference. You know, you have a McDonald's in your town, fine. It hires 15 people who serve hamburgers, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You have a manufacturing company that employs the same 15 people. There's at least another 40 or 50 people supporting those 15. So you can see the difference. Manufacturing has has suffered in America, and it suffered because we were unable to compete due to cheaper labor overseas. Uh, and I think what's happened, though, in terms of American with uh, automation and with robotics and with uh, just the, the growth of wage costs overseas, we've become competitive again. The United States can compete worldwide as long as we're allowed to compete fairly. John in Rochester, you're up now. Thanks for dialing in. Go ahead. Hey, Dave. Hey, Robert. You know, uh, I got to tell you, one of the problems with uh, manufacturing in the United States was the unions. I worked on the assembly line in Buffalo in a a factory uh, back in the 1970s, and I knew a lot of other people that worked at Bethlehem and Chevy and whatever. The unions at that time were out of control. Uh, The productivity 
uh, decreases because the union work rules, etc., and abuses were unbelievable. So that has a lot. To, I have a lot to say about that. But but you know, on a more productive part of the conversation is I have heard Robert. You could verify this. Larry Kudlow. I heard him say we already have 1,100 tariffs in various sectors of the economy against other countries. And the the other thing I heard is that only China only has two percent of the market share of steel in uh, the United States. Uh, but I want to say one more thing. I know I, I, I know a, a fellow here in uh, upstate New York who had a facility in China, and uh, he had a general manager that was uh, uh, taking, taking out millions of dollars from his company. When he tried to press the issue with the Chinese authorities, they just laughed at him. It was unbelievable. All right. Let, let's take each one of these. Uh, first of all, the 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 thing you said, John, about there being so many tariffs there, it it almost echoes what you said a little bit earlier, Robert. That hey, we already are in a trade war. I think uh, yes, and let, let, let me just read that because I thought John made some good points. So let me respond to him on that. First of all, is unions. We're a UAW sh- a shop, John, and I under and I agree with you completely. In the sixties and the seventies, the unions didn't understand what was happening in the world. We're happy to say that that's no longer the case. And it, it used to be a union rule, as you might know, that one man, one machine. In other words, if you had an automated machine, you had to have one worker working it. Today, right. we have one guy working four or five automated machines. So in a sense, if you're paying a guy $25 an hour, but he's running five machines, the actual cost is only $5 an hour. And that's why I say American manufacturing has become much more competitive, because I think unions have finally seen the light, and they're willing to work with manufacturers to be, remain competitive. In terms of that there are many tariffs and, and, different, and different products, um, I'm not a tariff expert, so I, I can't really comment upon that. But I will say, yes, we are in a trade war with many countries, and I, I think it's important that we be vigilant in this and that we be aggressive in pursuing our point. And it's, it's true that China only supplies 2% of our steel, but yet they, over, they have an overcapacity. Their production is they're making more steel than the world needs, and eventually they're going to find places to dump this. And where they'd like to dump it is probably in the United States. So I think this is a proactive move by the president to say, look, China, we're not going to go down that road with you. You may be only 2%, but this is the start of a bargaining chip. This is the start of a negotiating to say, we're not going to just stand back and let you do what you want to do. We want you to understand that this is a different uh, economic uh, adversary you're dealing with. And, John, it's interesting to note the Automotive News had a piece earlier this week uh, talking about the split between Canadian unions and the uh, AFL-CIO here in the United States. The Canadian unions are basically saying, hey, how can you support a president who is so conservative and not supporting labor? But Richard Trumka, the head of the AFL-CIO here in, in the United States, actually came out with a statement on Thursday. He praised Trump's decision to impose these tariffs, and this is the actual quote from that statement. It is a great first step toward addressing trade cheating. He went on to praise the enforcement here, saying that there's a clause that specifically would allow these tariffs to be looked at in the context of national security, and he liked that particular area of enforcement as well. So that kind of supports what you were saying, Robert, that that the unions may have been less uh, up to speed on this whole issue in the past, but have come around now. I, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think in dealing with our guys at the UAW, they understand it. They're all for what we do. They're all for being cooperative with us. They want to maintain work here, and they'll do whatever it takes. And, and I, I, I try to tell them, you know, when we were negotiating the, these practices 10, 12 years ago with our union, 
I said, I want to keep a business in Buffalo. I'm loyal to Buffalo. But if we don't change the way we practice, we're no longer going to be able to have a business in Buffalo. And I think people finally see the light. All right. Tom in Lancaster, I see you've got a comment about unions as well. Come on in. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I just want to correct those uh, two earlier callers uh, regarding the problems with uh, the steel planes. In the early 60s, there was a major strike by the unions against uh, the steel workers and what ha- against the steel manufacturers and what happened was this this lasted i think two or three months probably longer i i'm not totally sure but then what happened the uh steel manufacturers thought that uh, hey there's another way to get our steel we can't put up with these problems of not having steel, especially for the automakers. So, Tom, you're saying that the initial uh, import-export imbalance was triggered by recalcitrance on the level of the local United States unions? I don't know all the details, but I know what happened. Uh, They went, uh, auto manufacturers went to look at other sources of steel. They went overseas because at that time, most of our steel was produced by locally, you know, in America. All right. And now, that's all I really got to say, but, you know, I just wanted to correct those two early callers. All right. That gives us some perspective there. I'm not sure it addresses the current situation as much as perhaps we are in this discussion, but we're glad you called in. Let's move on to Ed in Buffalo. Hi. Hi, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, the strike lasted for 13 weeks because I used to be an employee of Bethlehem Steel a long time ago. Dave, you've got a great guest. you got a great program. I'm thinking of the word free and fair. Well, NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, what happened to the word fair trade agreement? This has got me so riled up, I can't stand it no more. Japan and China, Dave, they for years would not allow any products into their country. They wouldn't even allow construction crews in Japan. I'd, I, I get your broader point, but I'm a little confused because NAFTA is specific to North America. That's right. China and Japan don't necessarily apply there. What, do you, what are you saying? My, my point is this. When NAFTA was signed into law, it was supposed to represent Canada, United States, and Mexico. That's what it was supposed to represent. Then all of a sudden, sneaky people... And huge corporations that control our country, international corporations that control the world, took over. And, 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 and I'm so sick of You walk into any store, I don't care whether it's buying clothes, tools, or whatever, made in China. Bandages made in China. Made in, I'm so sick of it. And my question to your guest is, what can be done? You as an experienced businessman... And a, a, a very good one at that. What can be done to force 44,000 lobbyists who influenced Congress since the 60s to start thinking about the American flag, the people in this country? What can be done? I'm so frustrated. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a senior citizen, and I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Thank you. All right. We're, we're a little late for our break. Robert, weigh in. I just would weigh in very briefly. I think what's, what the latest election showed is that people are hearing people like him to say, we need, listen to the president, we need fair trade. 
I all agree. When NAFTA came out, I'll just be very quick on that. I was a supporter of NAFTA because I wanted to be able to sell my machines into Mexico. Little did I think, though, that because of it, American uh, manufacturers would flee to Mexico because of the cheaper labor. And I'm glad to see now that the president saying this wasn't the intent of NAFTA. The intent of NAFTA was to be able to sell American products into Mexico at a, at, a, at a good price. It wasn't the intent of NAFTA to say, move all your plants to Mexico and having us to buy them back from there. That wasn't the intent. The intent was to have, to have I think, free trade among the three nations, not to uh, poach our industries down there. Robert Stevenson is the CEO of Eastman Machine Corp here in Buffalo. More with him when we come back after this. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Closing moments with Robert Stevenson, the CEO of Eastman Machine Corp here in Buffalo. And we do have enough time to squeeze in one more call. I know you've been on hold for a while. Let's go to Jim in North Tonawanda. Rambo Jim, hi. Good good morning. Uh, Good talk to you, Dave. Um, I just want to get straight to the point here. Number one, there's no country in the world that's going to beat us in a trade war, a shooting war. It's not going to happen. We have nothing to fear. What was it President Roosevelt said? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Nobody can stand up to us. You know, one thing I've learned from listening to the young millennials that I've been working out with since last September, it crunched the, their favorite millennial word is unstoppable. Uh, they say that word all the time when they're working out. We're unstoppable. Why is it the old farts in Washington and Albany don't see that? President Trump sees it. Nobody's going to beat us. What are we afraid of? Why are we, oh, there's going to be a trade war. What are we going to do? Uh, this goes to what you were saying earlier in the program, Robert. We only have a little bit of time here left, but but you kind of agree with the president that a trade war is perhaps winnable, and we're already in one. Oh, well, ab- absolutely, David. If you think about it, we're the largest marketplace in the world. People want to do business with us. People have to do business with us. If they didn't, they're going to suffer. What we have to understand, and I agree with your caller, we have a tremendous opportunity now to continue to expand our trade outwards and not just be an importer but actually be an exporter. That's what we have to achieve. We need balance in that. We can't keep spending billions of dollars going out of our country buying foreign goods when we are capable of doing it here. We should be doing it here, and we'll benefit every American if we do do it here. And thank you, Dave, for uh, hosting this very interesting and important uh, program today. I, I'm glad to do it. And as we wind up here, I think the best way maybe to summarize is, is with one particular question. I heard you earlier in the program say that, that this is a good first step. Are these tariffs, in your opinion, good as a standalone item, or do you really just only support them because they are a bargaining chip that will lead to a lot of the other changes that you'd like to see? I, I think both are true. I, I think uh, standalone is going to certainly help the American steel industry as a bargaining chip and showing that we are serious about standing up for American manufacturing and American products. I think the president has made that very clear. We're not going to be pushed around. Uh, we have the ability to manufacture here. We have the quality to manufacture. We have a great workforce. Let's get it done. And, and uh, let's understand that America should uh, be a country that can can be an exporter and not just an importer. And to what degree do you see this affecting uh, being a bargaining chip in discussions with more than just China? Well, I think there's a lot of countries that take advantage of us. Uh, as I said, if you go back and look at NAFTA, 
and the fact that they're what they call the Macchiatelli Corridor, where I think hundreds, if not thousands, of American manufacturers said, well, because of free trade, we can locate down there and take advantage of it, and now we're forced to buy the product back from, from Mexico. That was never the intention of NAFTA. The intention of NAFTA was to say trade should be free between the countries, not that we locate our businesses down there. So uh, let's renegotiate that, which I think is ongoing, and let's look at other uh, trade agreements that we have. And, and as the president says, uh, let's let's see what's fair, and if it's not fair, let's make them fair. I, I'm not a trade negotiator, so I don't know what steps to take, David, but I certainly support it. All right, Robert, thanks so much for your time. Uh, I, I always enjoy having you on here because there are, there are a lot of guests that have opinions, but you're someone who, even if people disagree with you, you're at least able to kind of back it up with facts and go back and forth, so we appreciate that. Robert, well. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's Robert Stevenson. He's the CEO of Eastman Machine Corp here in Buffalo. Again, a guy who has testified before Congress about free trade, someone who is perhaps an advocate of free trade in the Buffalo area, but someone who also, because of the policies over in China, had to set up a plant over there and lay off workers over here, an advocate uh, for a lot more free trade, and he's in favor of those tariffs announced by the president. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 